Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Hello, hi, I'm Grant, and you are listening to Into the Comics Cave. I, this is my confident owning it voice, and to thank for this, I have the 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 queen of the forgotten home, uh, your favorite of mine, Erica Schultz, who just blew her nose, and I'm like, I'm blowing, but I I don't know. Allergies have been really bad lately, so I've been just sneezing like a maniac lately. Oh, dude, yeah, and oh, uh, I'm in Massachusetts, and with the the temperatures fluctuating thirty degrees, yes, next couple of days, it's just like yeah. sinuses were giving birth. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be. I'm in Jersey. It's supposed to be like sixty degrees tomorrow or something ridiculous. I'm like, I I don't I don't understand this. That's I don't just, understand anything anymore. It's just the world the does not make sense. Oh no, I, I feel like it hasn't made sense in almost two years at this point. I was gonna say, you know what? Boylan's soda, Boylan's black cherry should be your um, that should be your sponsor. Boylan's, come on, eighteen ninety one. I want Popeye's Chicken to be my sponsor for all things. Okay. There was a great place. Like, it was literally down the street from the Popeye's. But where I grew up, there was this great place called Chicken Magician. And I talk about this on a lot of podcasts, usually because I'm always hungry. And my brother, being older than us, would babysit. And whenever my brother babysat, he was, like, the best, worst babysitter on the planet. Like, he, especially when he was like in his teens and had a car and could drive and everything. So there was this place, Chicken Magician, that he used to order from. And they would have like chicken and ribs and like soul food, all kinds of stuff. And they had the funniest names. Like they had, like you could order, their thing would be like two big breasts of Dolly Parton chicken. (laughs) And things, I mean, it was, it was all just like goofy and, you know, sophomoric, but it was, I mean, such good food. And they were like, three blocks away from the Popeyes. So for me, when everybody, any, anybody says Popeyes, like the first thing my, I'm like, I want chicken magician. I don't want Popeyes, I want chicken magician because I want like the Dolly Parton big breast chicken or the ribs or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it was like a, a tiny little hole in the wall, but it was really, really good. Two things. Number one, uh, chicken magician sounds like you're drunk when you say, like when anyone says chicken magician. It's yeah, a, chicken magician. Like it's, it's you can't say it sober. Yeah, it's yeah. Number two, that was a good uh, kind of segue into the the where'd you grow up part. Oh yeah, I I grew up in um uh, in North Jersey uh, in Teaneck and uh, you know by way of the Bronx because we used to always be in the Bronx every other weekend visiting grandparents and stuff, um, and you know so it's funny because I I when I first met Vida Ayala um, in person. We had a conversation and they said, I'm trying to place your accent. And I was like, oh, and, and anytime you say accent, I'm like, I don't have an accent. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Teaneck by way of the Bronx. Ah, now it makes sense. You know, because there's like the extra, the like the tiny bit of Jersey, but the tiny bit of 
of New York kind of in there because both my parents are from New York and everything. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, but I've noticed that over the last probably five to seven years, my voice has been changing very, very slowly. In what way? It's It's been getting, I think it's been getting, like, you know how when you hear your own voice, it sounds different than what other people hear? <laughs> so when I hear it, it sounds like it's getting lower. But when I hear myself back, I'm like, it's getting higher. Makes no sense to me. None of this makes sense to me. Went to doctors. They're like, oh, we'll check your thyroid. We'll check this, that, and the next thing. No idea. No clue. So I can't sing anymore, which oh. I, was, I was kind of a crappy singer to begin with, but I can't like, <laughs> I can't, I can't get away with singing. I never liked karaoke anyway, but I can't really sing anymore. <clears throat> and I'm constantly clearing my throat. I, I don't know what any of it has to do. And the clearing my throat, I think it has to do with the allergies, especially at this point. Right. But I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. You, I'm just getting old. Well, I, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that because I was very excited for your debut album. But I guess. Oh, you we're... were waiting for me to sing the songs from Emmett Otter. I know that's what you were waiting for. I mean, every little boy has a dream. And I was to hear you sing Emmett no. Otter's Rondo no. Christmas Band. Well, you know, yeah, uh, we'll just put a pin in it. Um, so I told you it's only one of the two things that my sister and I agree on <laughs> Emmett Otter, Jerry's Man Christmas, and the other is Dr. Pipe and his two nurses. I won't uh, sing that song either. Well, this is just a highly disappointing podcast already. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to get Boylan's to, you know, sponsor you <laughs> just because I want some, some free black cherry soda. It's the best black cherry Boylan's. I'm telling you. Uh, now that you've brought up Emmett Otter, have you ever seen the outtakes? Uh, yes. Emma. Oh God, yeah. Uh, those are the greatest. Those make the season. There's no. It took Christmas. it took forty tries to get the the drum to yes. roll properly. You've got uh, you've got the 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 Muppet. I always love watching Muppet outtakes because they always curse, and it's so it's the best. it like it kills your childhood and then like makes you stronger at the same time. <laughs> you know, you're like, wow, Kermit just dropped an f bomb. That's horrible and amazing at the same time. <laughs> and encouraging. So you don't feel so fucking bad anymore. Oh, God, no. No, it's not easy being fucking green. <laughs> so parents, both from New York, you were raised yes. in Jersey. Which do you more identify with, Jersey or, or New York? Well, the town that I grew up in was literally four miles off the George Washington Bridge. Oh. So it's, it's like the sixth borough. So I... It's funny because I live in central Jersey now and my husband, who's not from New Jersey, he's from Ohio. So my husband will oh, say I'm like, sorry. yeah, I know. So am I. Um, <laughs> I love him so much. And he checked off every single box on the list except for the motorcycle one. Oh. So, you know, I mean, he, he's six two, green eyes, left handed, dark hair, plays the drums, plays the piano, plays the guitar, drives a stick shift, wears boxers, everything on the list. Except for drives that rides a motorcycle. And from Ohio. Well, I didn't have like where on there. <laughs> which kind of like I blame practical magic for that whole thing. If you ever saw that movie, <laughs> remember she makes that like list. He's gotta have one one blue eye and one green eye, and he's gotta his favorite shape is a star and all that other shit. So yeah, you ever see the movie? No, she demands two she, she you have to be heterochromatic. Yes, because woman? yes, because um well, because when she was a little girl, she never wanted to fall in love 
because her father died and there's like a curse on all the women in the family that you'll fall in love and then your your husband will die and it'll break your heart. So when she was a little girl, she she pushed put the spell out of all these like almost what she felt were like impossible things. So like his favorite shape, his favorite shape was a star. Uh, he was heterochromatic, like all these other things. And uh, she ends up falling in love with a guy and he's not any of those things. He's still a great guy, but he she, he passes away. And so she says, you know, like, it's the curse, it's the curse, whatever. But then, it, you know, spoiler alert, the movie's 20 years old, so more than 20 <laughs> years old. Um, so uh, what's his face? Aiden Quinn comes in and he's a cop. And he, he's a, I think he's a, either a marshal or a sheriff or whatever, but his, you know, he's got the badge, which is the star, his favorite, you know, you know, thing is his, his favorite shape is a star or whatever. And he, the actor is not, but I think he wore a, a prosthetic lens. He wore like a colored contact because he's got blue eyes. So I think he wore a green colored contact. Uh, and it, the character has, you know, heterochromatic eyes. You know what? I like your description so much. I still don't think I'm going to watch it. It's, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a chick flick because it kind of is a chick flick, but it it's, I think it's a, it, it's a sweet movie. And for me, what I tend to think about is when I like something, it could be terrible, but what I like more is I'm not remembering the specific thing. Like I'm not remembering the movie itself. I'm remembering the experience that I had when I first saw the movie. So I first saw the movie with my best friend and we, and she's still my best friend 30 years later. And like, we were hanging out, we were having a really great night, movie night, and we watched the movie together. So I, my brain thinks that it was a great movie, not because it was a great movie, even though I've seen it since and I do enjoy it, but my brain thinks it was a great movie because it was a great night. Like we had a really good time together. We hung out. It was just very relaxed, very chill, had a good time, watched a movie that we enjoyed. And, and so I, I, I sort of lump everything into the experience as opposed to just being like, oh, I went to this movie. On the other hand, you could see like a critically acclaimed movie, but if you have a bad experience, like, you know, I saw uh, The Artist, fantastic film, fantastic. But my husband and I go and sit down. There's literally three other people in this theater and we're like, oh, wow, this is cool, you know, whatever. And my husband's, you know, film buff. He went to film school. He's a film and television editor. The two, and I, the two of us are the worst people to see movies with because I'll break, I will sit there and dissect like all the, the plot and the character and this and the next thing. And he'll dissect all the tech. Well, you know, I, I think they really should have used like, <laughs> you know, this lens and, you know, all other shit, or, you know, they, they, they lingered like five frames too much before they cut, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So we go to see the artist and I was really excited about seeing this movie. I thought it was a really cool idea about doing like a silent film and everything. And it's about to start and I'm not making this up. The door opens to the theater and literally a bus filled with seniors show up and about 60 seniors come in oh my gosh of all now i am not you know geriatric phobic or whatever but i'm just saying like every type of cream you can think of you can smell um they didn't understand that it was a silent film no 
So in the middle of a movie, they're like, we can't hear anything. And I'm oh like, my oh, God. my God. And, and I was trying so hard to just, like, be in the moment, to enjoy the film and everything. But they're, like, sitting, like, right next to you. I'm like, you can spread out a bit. You know, as they're, like, crunching on popcorn. Somebody's, like, you know, like, one of these, oh, popcorn's bad for my dentures kind of shit. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, why? I just want to, I just want to enjoy this film. So even though I've seen it since, and yes, I can, you know, see it, I think it's a very good film and everything, but um, the first time I saw it, it was a horrible experience, so my brain thinks, oh, the artist isn't that good of a film, even though I can rationalize that and intellectualize and be like, no, it really is, you just have to remember it the second time you saw it. Oh my gosh, well, credit to you for actually seeing a movie again after that experience, because I'd be forever terrified of running into a bus full of old boomers. Well, when we walked out, we literally saw the bus in front of the movie theater, parked in front of the movie theater. Because we made a joke. We're like, oh my God, they backed up the old people bus. <laughs> and then we walked out, we're like, holy shit, there's the old people bus. Like, we weren't kidding. It was just, it was so bizarre. Just like dozens and dozens of, of, of aged people coming in. And not just like coming in respectfully, like, coming in and talking and talking through the movie and say, screaming, you can't hear it. It's like, it's a silent film. That's so obnoxious. Oh my God. But now I'm curious about this because you equate the movies to almost like in a biographical sense of ex past experiences. Did yeah. you, have you done that with any comic books that you read from your, from your youth or anything like that? Oh yeah, I mean, I, my my whole my sort of comics DNA uh, is is you know whatever my brother got from Rocklands or uh, or from the Seven Eleven spinner rack that you know when he was done with it, I was just sort of like sneak into his room and grab stuff, you know. Whether I mean, and at the time it was a lot of Claremont Byrne, Claremont Austin, oh, wow. you know, Claremont Lee. So really, I mean, the the old school X Men. Um, were were pretty uh were pretty informative also i mean at the same time i remember i really loved watching uh batman 66 because i really like loved the whole you know it would it would come on after school like 3 30 4 o'clock or mm -hmm. whatever it would come on and i remember watching it and then going into my brother's room and he was reading death in the family and being so confused because i i didn't first of all in my mind there was no jason todd like it was always just right. Dick grayson because i hadn't been really reading the batman books but then he's reading death in the family and i'm like i don't get what are you talking about robin's dead i literally just watched him on tv because i didn't understand the uh like con different continuities and and right. things. like i didn't i didn't get that like like how you have like the comics versus the mcu versus mm -hmm. the dceu whatever and um, so, so I was like, what are you talking about? Dick Grayson is, is Robin. Who's this Jason Todd person, you know, kind of thing. And then I learned about, you know, Jason, you know, Dick Grayson, Nightwing. And, and then later on, obviously I picked up, you know, Titans and, and, um, and I read Judas Contract and saw how he become, became Nightwing and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would read comics as a kid um, the, when the X-Men, cartoon came on in the early 90s. I thought that was awesome. That was when mm -hmm. I was in high school. I thought that was awesome. Great show. And then um, when I got my first apartment was around the time that Evolution, X-Men Evolution came on, which I thought is such an underrated. Yeah, agreed. I think it is so underrated. I think it's fantastic. I own the DVDs. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I bought them way before Disney Plus was a twinkle in its own eye. <laughs> um, but so I I thought Evolution and the Justice League show came on because Batman the Animated Series was on, it kind of overlapped a little bit with uh, X-Men and then uh, Batman Beyond in the late 90s, which was yep, like, yep. you know, which I loved. And then you had Evolution and then you had the Justice League and the Justice League Unlimited. And so I would sit in my, you know, tiny apartment in Brooklyn, my roommate not knowing anything about, you know, comics or whatever. And uh, one of her coworkers was a huge comics fan. So Eric used to come over and we'd be like sitting on the couch, monopolizing the one television we had in our tiny apartment, (laughs) watching, (laughs) you know, Evolution or uh, Justice League or whatever, you know, that came on. So. Which which iteration of the X-Men or even which comic book uh, kind of, propelled you into wanting to create? Oh, I never, I genuinely did not think about becoming specifically a comic writer or a comic creator until like 2008. Um, When I was a kid, I always wanted to do something fun and creative, but, and I would, you know, make my own comic books as a kid. Every kid pretty much did that. Um, But I never thought of it as a viable career. Um, until I was working in an art studio in New York in 2008. And I was uh, one of the uh, animators for the Astonishing X-Men motion comic. And so I was at that studio for about eight years, for about seven years. It was uh, December, 2008 to August, uh, to August, 2016. So, so about seven, seven to eight years. And I was working with an illustrator that with a master illustrator there and with a couple of other people. And I never really thought about creating my own comics. I had always, I would write short stories. You know, I had the notebooks filled with stuff, you know, you know, bad screenplays when you didn't even know (laughs) true screenplay format kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, flights of fancy kind of thing. And um, it was when I was working, when we, finished astonishing x-men and we started working on i want to say the next project we started working on was batman odyssey um i was typing up scripts and i was like oh i can do this format and oh this is an you know this is interesting people are paying to read this story well i'm sure there's plenty of other stories that i have in the closet that people might pay to read so um, just before I started working at the studio, I had had a car accident and I was kind of, as I was recuperating, I was sort of, you know, writing and sketching just to sort of, you know, get my brain away from the fact that I had broken multiple bones. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I ended up having to, to have uh, um, some plastic surgery because uh, during the car accident, a piece of my face came off, but that's, oh another, sto- that's another story. Um, so to sort of like draw my attention away from the wallowing woe is me you know laying in bed can't move kind of thing um i was you know just you know sketching and just you know scribbling stuff down in notebooks and one of the stories that i scribbled down was about this assassin who came from italy and all this other stuff and that ended up becoming m3 um which was the first comic that i had done and um i had already written it was either two or three chapters of the book I had already written before I approached Vicente Alcazar. Now Vicente was one of the artists that was working in the studio at the time. And 
I had seen him working on, he was doing a one shot for Jonah Hex. He had worked on Jonah Hex in the seventies and eighties. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, he had left comics for a while. He had a career in fine arts. Um, and then he, you know, just on a whim kind of went back to comics. And so he was working on this one shot that, uh, I want to say it was, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray had, had written it. And it was during, I think it was the during new 52. Cause I think Morissette yeah. was the, was the artist, uh, on the regular book. And I want to say that the sensei was working on the annual. But I was watching him him draw and I was like, wow, you know, this is you're incredible. And one of the other artists that was at the studio said, you know, who, who used to be a, uh, a teacher at the Kubert School said, you know, we don't even teach this technique anymore because it takes so many years to master because everybody's so uh, so impatient, you know, kind of thing. And this was back in like 2009. And um, I thought, oh, that's fantastic. I said, you know, and I, and I, you know, I'm flippant. So I was like, ah, you know, if I ever get my head out of my ass and, and write a comic, I'll, uh, I'll give it to you to, to draw, Vicente, haha, you know, that kind of thing. And then I, you know, I went back to my desk and I thought, you know, the worst thing that could, he could do is say no. So I gave him, you know, a copy of the scripts and uh, he, I think it was like a Wednesday and he said, thank you. And he puts it in his bag and he goes back to drawing. And I was like, <laughs> Not the reaction that you're looking for. <laughs> um, so, so you know, that was Wednesday, and then Thursday comes, and go through the day, and everything's fine. And then Friday comes, and like you know, halfway through the day, and I was like, oh, he used it to wipe his ass with it. You know, whatever, it's fine. I printed it out at work. I didn't spend my toner and and paper <laughs> money. Um, but he came over, you know, late in the day on Friday, and he said, um. I really like this. Let's do this. And I was Whoa. like, holy shit. Um, I was like, uh, okay. So we started working on that. And and uh, it was 2009, we had the first, 2010, we had the first two or three issues done. And um, the second issue actually is a cover by Bilson Cavage. No. Yes. How? What do you mean, how? How did you get Bilson Cavage to do that? Well, you see, I know it doesn't, I, I know it doesn't appear as such, but I can be incredibly persuasive when I want to. Uh, <laughs> so Bill was doing some inking for that Batman Odyssey job that we were working on. And um, he would call the studio and I would usually answer the phone. And, you know, it was, you know, I would you know get the artist on the line or whatever. But little by little, you know, Bill is such an incredibly uh, personable person. I mean, he really is just a genuine good heart. And um, so Bill was saying, you know, we would, our conversations would get longer and longer before I was passing them off. And I mentioned M3 and he's like, oh, that's amazing. You know, if you need anything from me, let me know. And I was like, oh my God, I would love it if you would do a cover. And he's like, yeah, sure. And uh, I said, I will sell a kidney to get you to do a cover. And he's like, you won't have to sell a kidney. Don't worry. Um, so Bill did uh, Bill did the cover for issue number two. I'd sent him the scripts and he he said, he's like, I, I really, I sent him the first three scripts because I think that's all as much as I had written. And he says, I really love this. Which one do you want me to do the cover for? <laughs> wow. So yeah, so Bill, Bill and I have ma maintained a friendship over all these years, but um, genuine, I mean, aside from being such a skilled artist, such a talent, such a... a, a you know, someone who has worked on his craft so much and really has 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 elevated 
his abilities and really very skilled, uh, just a very genuine, kind, sweet person. And, and I absolutely adore him. Um, so yeah, so I mean, he did the cover for Forgotten Home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did the trade cover for uh, 12 Devils Dancing. Um, so yeah, I Bill Bill is my sort of like go to. I, I know he's usually busy, so I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'll give you I give you like six, nine, twelve, however many months you want as lead time, but right. and you still have both kidneys. And I still have both kidneys. I didn't now, have to sell them. Getting the reactions from those two incredible artists for your first comic script, what was that like? How did you feel? Was it gratifying? Were you was your mind blown? My mind was blown, but I was also like wondering what universe I live in. <laughs> Cause I'm like, this is not no, this is I kept I kept like looking around the corner for the camera, like to be punked. Right. I was like, this this can't be this can't be real. Um but I mean, and, and you see it online all the time. Everybody talks about like imposter syndrome, like someday they're going to find out. Everybody has it. Uh, the, you know, there's basically two types of people in the world. There's the people with imposter syndrome and the people who lie that they don't have it. <laughs> and it's the truth. Um, you know, uh, I, to this day, I'm still like, you know, I, I got a contract sent to me the other day. I can't talk about it yet, but um, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what happens if they find out? if they find out I'm totally a fraud, like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it's literally like on a weekly basis. I keep thinking that this is a dream and that someday it's all going to come crumbling and down. But I mean, that's just the way I am in general. Like anytime, <laughs> like anytime something good happens, I'll text my best friend and I'll be like, you know, it's going to, you know, such and such good thing happened. That means like, I'm going to total my car in the next, you know, 12 hours kind of thing. She's like, shut up. Don't talk like that. I'm like, <laughs> oh, but it's the truth. So like, I, I made a joke to another creator because, you know, there was the announcement of Kickstarter going to crypto and everything. Yeah. Which I know a lot of people are disappointed, myself included. Um, but I made a joke to a creator, like not even an hour ago. Um, I said, I blame myself because I did a, a successful Kickstarter. So, you know, what's happening is the universe has to course correct. <laughs> Something good happened to me. The universe has to course correct. And therefore it decided to take everybody down. Now, you know? when you say these things by your own volition, would you say you're being pragmatic or cynical? Oh, I'm an absolute cynic. I've been a cynic since I was like four years old. Like my grandfather, God rest him. Um, my grandfather and I had a great relationship, but he, I remember him distinctly, even as a little kid, you take yourself so seriously, Erica. He used to say, he's like, you take yourself way too seriously. Like you're a child. Why are you taking yourself? But I've always kind of been like that. And I've always been very self-deprecating. It's, it's, that's just me. Cause everybody thinks, you know, it's kind of chic to be self-deprecating these days, especially on, on social media. And I just kind of want to be like self-deprecating since 1977, you know, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, like sm snarky smart ass who hates everything and everyone, including herself since 1977. Like I, I was looking up, um, somebody said something about Minnesota nice. And I was like, okay, I think I know what it means, but I just want to double check. Um, and it says something about, you know, so, you know, passive aggressive. I'm like, yeah, I know plenty of people like that. Um, and then it said, you know, self-deprecating. I was like, <laughs> you don't have to be from Minnesota to be self-deprecating. We got enough of that shit on the coasts. 
Pat yourself on the back, Minnesota. You're not that special. <laughs> Are you a stone-cold psychopath writes in silence, or do you have something going in the background? If I am just transcribing, I can have something going on in the background. If I'm writing and I've got to like get the script out and everything, then I'm a stone cold psychopath. Mm. And I, I, I have noise canceling headphones that I keep silent. Is it the, just the, so you need the, just the absolute silence to yes. concentrate? Yes. So no soundtrack, you don't make soundtracks or anything? No music plays in your head? You know what I do? I will listen to music prior and get myself to sort of like key up a mood. And then once, you know, pen goes to paper is when I got to have silence. Um, wow. I get, and yeah, I know, and I'm weird like that. And I know everybody's like, you know, posting their Spotify playlists or, or they'll say, oh, I was writing and I was watching this movie or I was listening to this at the same time as I was writing. I feel as if I do that, I'm going to be way too outside influenced. Like I'm going to be influenced by the podcast I'm listening to or the music, the you know, whether it's the mood or the lyrics or whatever, I'm going to be way too influenced by that. I need to be in my bubble. Like when I, like I said, I was raised by cats, you know, I need to be in my, you know, curled up, you know, my nose in my belly, tail wrapped around me to be able to like write. Shoes wearing away at your corduroys. Shoes wearing away at the inner thighs of my corduroys because I sit, you know, I sit cross-legged in chairs. Yeah. So, Erica, I have a question for you. Well, isn't that what podcasts are about? Yeah, I just like saying that because it sounds more dramatic. Okay. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Yes. Would it be fucked up if birds suddenly had to eat through their cloaca? and expel through their mouths? I think it would be fucked up if anybody had to shit through their mouth and, you know, eat out their ass. I mean, do you remember that South Park episode? Oh, absolutely. You know, so, bleh. You know the, you know the visual I'm talking about. <laughs> absolutely. So, so, I mean, thank you, I- Thank you for the noise to go along welcome. with it. You're welcome, you're uh, welcome. It's, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a, it's crazy. It's freaking weird. Like, but I, you know, nature's a weird thing. The cloaca, in and of itself, is just wild. It's just the single hole. Ducks have corkscrew penises. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like the, I, part of me, you know, Eddie Izzard, God lover, has has such a great bit about, you know, dinosaurs are God's nightmares, like. God, I think, what does she say? Something like, you know, God snorted all the opium and was on like a seven day trip and was like, oh my God, look what I'm going to make. Like, you think about it, like who would, who would create that? Who would create us? I mean, we're like the most flawed thing on the planet. I think, I think when, when God, he or she, like start with humans and like, okay, this is fine. This is fine. And he's doing all these other animals. He, start, he or she's starting to get bored. And then they get to like birds and reptiles and he's just, he or she's just like, just fuck it. Give them, give them one hole. We don't need to design all these it's things. Weird. Just one. It's weird. Uh, there's a movie. What is it called? Like spy birds or something like that. It's a movie with Will. It's an animated movie with Will Smith. And with yes. Tom and Tom Holland. Holland. Yes. And Tom Holland is obsessed with pigeons. Mm -hmm. And, 
and yeah, I we saw it the other day because we, my husband and I are ancient. Um, we still get DVDs through Netflix. I'm not, no, I'm not don't. ashamed. Yes, I do. I am not ashamed. That's cool. I will I'm not, that... I will not be tied down to what is on streaming. God damn it. No, I mean, it is cool that you're keeping the last Netflix warehouse busy. That's very yes. admirable. So we got, you know, so I don't know the, the DVDs that we've been getting now. I mean, I don't know what he was smoking when he made this list. But I'm like, <laughs> what the f-? I was like, I don't, I'm not even watching this. Watch this when I'm like in one of my moods and I'm just like writing in my, you know, hermetically sealed box, listening to nothing but cat, fat cat snores and, you know, writing God knows what. Um, you know, and he's like, fine, I'll, I'll just watch it on my own. I'm like, good. Because he, he did this one thing where he like, like all the Oscar nominations, like every single movie that was nominated for an Oscar. Like, I think it was like a one click button. So like we were getting films that I had ne- I was like, I can't read, you know, subtitles fast enough yeah. to, to go through this foreign language film. Sorry. Like we saw Parasite and I thought it was very well done, but I'm very slow at reading subtitles and they always are so fast that mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm the word, like, don't watch it. Like if I'm going to watch a foreign film, I want to at least have a working knowledge of the language so I can at least understand things in context. Okay. So like I'll watch like a film that's in French or I'll watch a film that's in, you know, Italian. And I, and I know enough of those languages. I can, I can work my way through enough of those languages, especially with body language and context to understand what's going on. But I was watching Parasite and I was, I was enjoying it, but I was like, having to read like everything and i was like i can't it's like i'm I'm not going to enjoy this film enough because i'm trying to read all the dialogue when i finally just said screw it just just go based on the mood and the atmosphere and everything mm-hmm. then i would enjoy it that's why i couldn't get into narcos because it's so specific there are so many things in narcos that you have to know because like this character and this and the next thing and everything and everybody's named like miguel or carlos or whatever that i was like i can't i physically cannot read fast enough to keep up with this show. And I know everybody talked about how amazing it was. I, I'm so sure. I just, I'm a very slow reader, especially when it's like popping on a screen and then like switching. And my Spanish right. is, ugh, you know, <laughs> like my Spanish is mostly like, you know how people say like Spanglish? My Spanish is like Spang Italianlish. Like I used to live in a Cuban neighborhood and when I was in Brooklyn and I used to speak Italian to the guy at the bodega and he would speak Spanish back at me, but we made a, we found a way to make it work. Right. You know, um, That's wild. but yeah, like I, I don't speak enough Spanish to be able to like listen to it and get what's going on. And especially when it comes down to like, because that show you almost had to make like a, a chart to really figure out like all the different characters and, oh, you know, no. and, you know, and, and one of the things about the show is basically like they're moving up, you know, there's the like the low level, you know, uh, drug dealers and moving up the the ladder. So it's like if you don't know, if you don't recognize this character and they say his name, you're like, but I don't know who's who who just got arrested, you know, whatever. So yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't do that show. It's just it's me. It's I I don't read fast enough. I had that problem when I was watching uh, Squid Game. Like I, my problem with with the subtitles is I'm too busy reading to like to look up at what's actually happening. Yeah. So I've spent too much time reading and it gets real frustrating. Although I cannot watch Squid Game. Like I know human beings are garbage. Mm-hmm. 
I can't see like I can't see it played out like that. It's, can't. Oh, uh, it's intense. I I've heard I've heard everything, and it's intense. I just I can't. The only reason I watched it was because my daughter, who is nine, came back from school, and she's like, "My friends all watch Squid Game. Can I watch Squid Game?" I was like, "I have to watch it first, Missy, first. So and then I, you're like, "Oh hell no!" Yeah, after the first episode, it's like, "Oh, they just all just got mowed down, and the blood seeping in the sand." That's a big no. That's a no. Sorry. Yeah, mind you, when Aliens came out, um, I remember. I mean, everybody used to do this where you'd buy a ticket for one movie and then like go into another. Like everybody did that. No, that who did? If if that. you. Okay. Like I said, there's two types of people in the world. The people who tell the <laughs> truth and the people who lie. We know you're lying. Um, so the funny thing was that I didn't want to see Flight of the Navigator. I really wanted to see Aliens. Why not both? So I was so I was hanging out with my friend Snorley, and her dad was like, You girls want to go see a movie? And we're like, Yeah. And he's like, Okay. And this is back in the day when you would open the newspaper and you would see the movie times. And so he'd be like, okay, he really wants to see aliens. He's like, listen, I'm going to tell your mom, Erica, that we saw Flight of the Navigator, but you girls want to see aliens? We're like, yes. So he took oh us to see gosh. aliens. And that sparked my crush on Michael Bean, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember being in this movie theater that later I learned was haunted because a guy that my sister knew in high school used to work there and he said it was haunted. So now I always refer to it as the haunted movie theater, which is the same movie theater that I saw Transformers, the movie with Ugh. my dad. Yeah. Wait, the animated movie or the Bay one? No, animated. I've only oh seen one God. Bay. I've only seen one Bay. And, and, but for the animated, Fuck you to the animated movie, okay? Why? Because it's because you fucking killed watch. Optimus. Don't even start. You fucking killed Optimus Prime. Fuck that shit. I will not watch Transformers. My husband is the biggest Transformers fan you have ever met in your entire life. I have an entire library of all the IDW, all the Dreamwave, all the Marvel, all the Marvel UK, all your mother's ass, all the fucking Transformers comics, plus every fucking version of that DVD. We have it on VHS. We had it on VHS the 10-year anniversary, the 15-year anniversary, your mother's anniversary, all the fucking anniversaries. We have a Blu-ray. We have Blu-ray HD. We have Blu-ray your mother's ass. Every fucking version of that movie. My husband can quote that movie, okay? I loved Transformers as a kid. I fucking loved them. I walked out of that movie theater, and I was like, fuck, I don't want anything to do with Transformers ever fucking again. If he's watching Transformers, I will say, what season are we in? Are we pre-movie? He's like, we're season one, hun. I'm like, okay, I will sit and watch this episode with you. If we are post-movie, I see fucking Cup. I see Wheelie's ass. I see Rekgar. I see RC. any of those blur. I see any, RC, fuck that bitch. I see <laughs> any of those motherfuckers, okay? Any of those little sons of bitches. No offense, Springer, fuck you. I don't want to see you. If I see any of them, if I see Daniel, that little shit Daniel, oh my God. Was that God. Spike's son? Yes. I don't okay. I don't want anything to do with them. Nothing to do with them. Hey, I'll say this. I'll give you the old Terminator handshake on fuck Daniel. Yeah, fuck Daniel. Fuck that kid. Yeah. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna transform in his little suit where his fucking like legs are by his freaking ears. Come on. Come on, Daniel. Shut up. 
shut up. You're a whiny little kid. Shut up. Sorry, Judd Nelson, go fuck yourself. All right, you were great in The Breakfast Club. Rodimus Prime, oh, come on. Come really? Really? Yeah, but what about my mother's ass? Is that, is it, does that still hold up? No mother's ass holds up. <laughs> Except maybe your wife, because your wife is a mother. And I don't know the, I don't know. And my wife woman. is a stone cold fox. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know your wife, but I'm sure she is. <laughs> my mother's ass doesn't hold up. Fucking my ass doesn't hold up. It's fine. It's all good. So no. taking this huge detour to Transformers and mother's asses. Yes. Uh, but I think we have to pull it back in the final five questions. These... Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cause I told you there's the Colbert questionnaire. But mm -hmm. then there's also the the you know what you call it the James Lipton. inside the James Lifton inside the Actors Studio. My husband's best friend slash former roommate actually studied at the Actors Studio because he was an no actor. Way. Yes, and Jeff has some choice words, but Mr. Lipton has now since passed. So I will leave Jeff's choice words. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna ask you about that off mic <laughs> because I I hate that I love that stupid man's interview so much. Because he's so pompous. You know what, though? There's there's something admirable about his confidence. Like, say, I have yeah. to say, okay. I have to be like, you know what? I admire the fact that you are a bald dude with a comb over with pants that are way too short. And we can see your socks. Mm -hmm. Um. But you've got, but you are eloquent, you are well-spoken, you research your your subjects, your interviewees very, very well. Mm -hmm. You are well-read. Um, so I will give you that. And I, and, and I, it's like one of those things, like you can appreciate something and someone, but not like them. Like Casablanca, I appreciate that it is a classic. I'm not a fan of the film. Same thing with Citizen Kane. I appreciate it. I understand its position in history and the impact that it had on generations of filmmakers. Same but with I'm animated not, Transformers. Same with animated Transformers. But I don't enjoy it. Same thing with The Matrix. Like I thought the first Matrix movie was visually, I thought the story was a little weak. I thought visually it was very interesting. I think I saw the second movie. I haven't seen the third. I'm not going to see the fourth. Um, but I understand the uh, I understand what the Wachowskis did. I understand the position that they were in to sort of create this brand new look. Mm -hmm. And I get that, but I don't really like it. Like Fair I get enough. it and I appreciate it, but I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. And I think that that's fine. And I think we live in a world right now that if you're not a fan of something that's popular, like you should be like, you know, crucified and like put in the stocks. No. Especially if you're the type of person that logs on to Twitter just to say you don't like the popular thing. Yeah, but see, I've always been the person that doesn't like the popular thing. But I, you know, I you know, when I was in high school, I probably said it to try and be like, oh, look how cool I am. I'm subversive. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, you're an idiot. Like, whatever. I'm still wearing black with jeans and Doc Martens. I haven't moved <laughs> on since 1991. Like, I really haven't. Um, but it's, you know, I, I, I never really liked the super popular stuff. Mm. Um, 
but I think we, we've gone to a point where if you say you don't like something, even if you have, whether it is technical or, you know, you can sort of, I mean, from my point of view, I could sit there and say, okay, well, let's break down the story. Let's break down the script. You know, this, the uh, character arc doesn't make sense because, you know, all of the information that we've been given about the character does not pay off in their final thing. It's, you know, it, it's almost as if they didn't, uh, they didn't learn anything. One of my biggest issues, I mean, Star Wars, A New Hope is one of my absolute favorite films ever, you know, um, and one of my biggest issues with the whole thing about Hans, Han Solo shooting first or Greedo shooting first or whatever is that with Han Solo shooting first, his character arc, his redemption over those first mm -hmm. three films, even his, his redemption to a certain extent over just the first film, it is, it, it is a long road, but everything makes sense. By removing that and doing that weird like like his like weird where he shifts to the side it's just right. very poorly done to begin with but you know i'm sure lucas is going to shoot somebody on a blue screen whatever and you know make an actual move and then find a way to composite it in you know and that's going to be like the next version out if he if he hasn't done it already and disney's like george we can't do this you, george just stop just stop george please please put it to bed. Um, so, so in removing that, you negate his arc, you negate his, his, uh, the fact that, you know, he has the Grinch change at the end of it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's so important to him as a character. That's so important to him, um, to see that sort of cynic, angry cynic with a little bit of hope. Um, and you remove that and you and and when that's taken away from you story wise it hurts the story as a whole so if you turn around and and you explain something that way you know from a storytelling aspect or even from a yeah. technical aspect um but your opinion does not align with the you know the the masses or the loudest let's be honest yeah then you're going to be, you know, drawn and quartered for just saying, I don't like a movie. Now, this movie is not changing the world. For one person, it might be so important that it changes them. And that's good. But the vast majority of, you know, almost 8 billion people on this planet, the movie is not changing them. It's not curing cancer. But you're still going to come at me like I, you know, Fuck your mother with a donkey, you know, and put it on YouTube. <laughs> like, come on. Really? Come on, bro. It's just Space Jam. That's, that's what I, it's kind of like, look, it's just a fucking movie or it's just a fucking comic or it's just a fucking cartoon. Now, if it means that much. And I was I was going through this with a friend of mine and it basically comes down to this idea of. I mean, in my opinion, it basically comes down to this. So many people will identify with a with an ip basically mm -hmm. yeah or with a specific iteration of an ip that they take it on as almost a, an alternate identity for themselves yes and by you saying and it's it's sort of like a chain reaction so i tell you that i don't like said ip 
Therefore, I am telling you that what you like is wrong. And therefore, I am telling you that you are wrong. And I am telling you that you are not worth liking. And it's this sort of like, and everybody knows that their mind works that way, especially mm-hmm. like if, if it, like in a, a, an imperceivable slight. Oh, something yeah. like that, you know, and, 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 and we were talking before, like I, I made the joke about how if something goes right for me, the universe has to course correct, yes. you know? Um, so if, if you have some random conversation with somebody and they make a weird face, it has nothing to do with you. Likely it has something to do with the fact that they had indigestion or they got a really bad phone call before they started talking to you or whatever, but your mind is going to create these stories mm-hmm. in your head and your mind's going to make you feel like shit. That's how anxiety works. Um, but that's how everybody, I I feel like the vast majority of people who are coming after you for something like that feel as if you're saying to them, you're not worth liking. And it's not, you're not saying that at all. You're just saying, I personally did not feel that this IP, that this presentation of this character appealed to me. That means that you're telling me that I'm wrong and that I don't appeal to you and we can't. Be, and 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 you just you take it so far down the rabbit hole. And I think we really need to all come to the surface because I think we've been spending so much time down the rabbit holes these days. You know, aside from the pandemic, even prior to the pandemic, we were all down rabbit holes. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it was politically or, you know, this movie came out or that movie or whatever, we were all down rabbit holes. And I think we really need to get the fuck out of the rabbit holes, come to the surface and actually see the sunlight and realize, oh, wait, you mean the sun's going to rise and fall? Whether I like fill in popular movie here or fill in popular character or fill in popular, you know, creator or, you know, whatever. The sun is still going to rise and fall. We're still going to be orbiting the sun, the moon is still going to orbit us. Holy shit. You know, cancer is still going to be a problem. Like I always say, like, if somebody says, oh, I'm proud of you. Don't be proud of me. I wrote a comic. I didn't cure cancer, you know, <laughs> which I know is a self, what we talked about self deprivation. Yeah, yeah. But the idea is that, you know, you're not allowed to like or dislike anything that someone else likes or dislikes because you are more or less personally attacking them as opposed to just stating a preference. Absolutely. See, now I feel like a dick because I have to non sequitur back to these five questions, but that was just such a hell of a point that I want to ruminate on that. But a guy asked you these five dumb questions now. Ask me whatever fucking questions you want. I don't give a shit. Ask yeah. me 12 questions. I don't give a shit. Look, man, I got to stick to the format. I already asked you the cloaca question. Ugh. <laughs> Is that part of the format? Oh yeah, I ask a, a stupid question in between because I I'm a giant child. Okay, well, I I, I got my list of uh, my list of um, of points that I got put out because I got to plug some books after this. So. All right, all right. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. What is your, is your favorite uh, sound effect in a comic book? Like which one you go to? What to letter? Or because because oh, I do right. lettering. You do letter. Yeah. Did you not do any research on me? No, I was just I look, man. I listen to your podcast and you say that your letter. Which one? Uh, Word Bros. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and how much I know. Kevin, Kevin and Bob are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you attacking me? Are you saying I'm not worth anything? 
<laughs> no, is what is my favorite sound effect to letter or what is my favorite sound effect to write? Uh, in general, I just like the one you like seeing. I like Krakasoom. You know what? You are the second person to say that. Who's the first? Fuck me if I can remember right now. I'm so befuddled. <laughs> that you just caught me off like flat footed. That's wild. How do you like it displayed? It depends. If it's it's usually when it comes it's usually like when it's like a storm and it's the thunder and the lightning and everything. Um I like it usually if I'm lettering it, I like mm. it three different. So you've got the K-R-A-K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe K-R-A-K-A. And then the T-H-O-O, and then maybe a third. O-O-O-M or O-O-M, depending on how much room you've got. And then, you know, you would do a mask on it. So your lightning would, and your characters would be in the foreground. Yeah. And you would have Krakathum. Oh, so. that's good. Yeah. Second person, my God. Uh, so two, that is still stunning to me. Number two, what is something about sequential art that you love? I love that... Depending on the artist, I love that it could be as visually interesting as a film, but it's still, like I said uh, on Twitter the other day, uh, comics are not a storyboard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely uh, agree. If you have a, a really good artist who can do acting and facial expressions, I love that a comic can be just as expressive as film or television, but still have its own medium and its own validity in that medium. And there's also, I mean, there's that whole joke about, oh, well, in a film, you can't shoot, you know, a giant crowd, but you, you know, but you can have, uh, you know, make your artist draw a giant crowd and double page spread, blah, 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 you know, whatever. If you want to be an asshole. <laughs> Although I do have to say, um, I think it was Xena number nine. Um, I had written... I the this when I wrote Xena, I had two story arcs, um, and one was a short arc. It was only two issues, and uh, it was a commentary on conventions. Xena <laughs> number nine and ten were a commentary on conventions, and I didn't mean to do this, but Vicente Cifuentes, who was the artist on it, oh, okay. drew this giant like. Zena and and um, Gabby show up, and you just see this like wall of people, and they're all like cosplaying as different characters and everything. And the whole joke is that you know people are like, "Oh, that's a really good Zena cosplay kind of thing." It's like, no, but I am Zena. <laughs> um, and and it, the whole thing was was this basic like this idea of conventions and super fans and toxicity of some fandoms versus like people who are you know just there to experience stuff versus people who like take things just to, to hair too far mm -hmm. um like the people who are like you know george lucas doesn't understand star wars the fans understand star wars that <laughs> kind of thing and there's even there's a moment in that uh, where, you know, there are these two people, there are these, these three women who are talking about 
Gabby and Gabby jumps in. It was like, well, actually I'm blah, 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 blah. And they're like, whatever, grandma, we're not talking to you, you know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's what I, I would say that comics do allow you some leeway, but yeah, you don't want to be that asshole to draw that like giant, you know, set piece kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there are some people that love drawing stuff. I, um, I had pitched, uh, I, I worked on a Betty Page short with Fernando Ruiz and um, he and I pitched like a mini, a Betty Page mini, mini series after that. And I said, I was like, it would be this like, cause they do anything pretty much with Betty Page. So I was like, oh, screw it. We're going to do like time travel. And you know, it's going to be like a Robin Hood kind of, you know, <laughs> damsel. And I was like, we're going to have giant castles and dragons. And, and I was waiting for Fernando to be like, you're out of your freaking mind. I'm not drawing all that shit. And he was like, I, I would love to draw that. So when we did the, the eight pager that we did, um, the whole thing is a riff on war of the worlds. Okay. And uh, they're at a drive-in. And uh, I was like, let's do it in period. So he, I said, look, you don't have to do this. He's like, no, 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 I want to. He drew a whole drive-in theater of classic cars. Oh, that just like triggered my anxiety. But but it's something that he enjoyed doing. I said, you know, and I, I give artists tons of leeway i'll always say look if i wrote five panels in a page and you can com- communicate the same information in four do it in four if you mm-hmm. think it needs six do it in six um unless i have a sort of an editor above me sort of you know shaking the stick i try to give as much leeway as possible to to the artists in terms of that so i said i was like if you don't want to draw a parking lot you know splash page parking lot full of uh, uh, you know, classic cars don't, you know, just, you know, make the indication. Okay. No, he's like, no, I totally want to do this. This is going to be fun. All right, good. He's that type of artist. Oh, that's wild. Unfortunately, our pitch for Betty Page did not go through, but he, he did really did want to draw the castles and the, you know, dragons in the sky and everything. So. And on the other side of the coin, what, is what do I hate about comics? Yeah. I don't want to say hate. That's just, let's say dislike. Okay, this is not going to be a popular thing to say, but whatever. Um, comics as a fan is extremely different than being than comics as a professional. Oh, I believe it. And as a fan, you can still enjoy it. As a professional, my enjoyment has been tempered a great deal um for a couple of reasons one when you know how the sauce is made mm-hmm. things are different i mean i worked in advertising for many years before i got into comics and whenever a commercial that i worked on came on tv you know my friends would get excited and i wouldn't because all i could think about is well the director was an asshole or you know i got into a fender bender on my drive to the to the set or, you know, this, the, you know, this, that, and the next thing, whatever. That's what I would remember because I knew how the sauce was made. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of petty high school bullshit in comics that I would love. I mean, I'm 25 years out of high school. I would love it <laughs> if I didn't have to deal with this shit again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's just the way it is.
there's a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of times yeah. the people, so, some of the people who are the loudest about no gatekeeping are the ones that are the biggest gatekeepers of themselves. So what I, what I dis, okay. So if I had to nail it down to one thing, what I dislike is the perception that if you are a comics creator, specifically, if you are a comics writer, that you don't really work, <laughs> you don't really work hard. Um, I hate the when everybody does the artist v writer or writist v writer v artist on Twitter when who whoever sparks that shit and then it turns into five days of people oh you my know gosh. slinging shit at each other. I hate that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was Kurt Busiak who said. You know, when you're an artist, you're running on a treadmill. When you're a writer, you're, you know, you're running on three treadmills, but you're running at a slower pace on each three tre- treadmills, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's, it's all work. It is all yeah. work. You know, so what I, what I dislike about comics is I dislike the gatekeeping. I dislike the perception that you don't work and i dislike the fact that everybody thinks that if you are a comics creator you're somehow a millionaire or whatever because people don't understand that i i think hopefully they will understand more now that um brubaker and epting came out and talked about you know their issue with winter soldier yeah the film and everything i'm hoping that uh and and now that we're talking about with david asha or David Aha, I, I don't know how to properly pronounce it. I sincerely apologize. But the whole thing with the Hawkeye series and things like that. So people, I, I hope that people will understand that we're not all paid a million dollars. That the amount of time that we put in breaks down to $10, $15 an hour, if that. Mm-hmm. And that it's not easy. You know, um, anyone can do anything. Not anyone can do it professionally and not anyone can do it and make a living at it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely agree. And I think that that's an unpopular opinion because everybody wants to be like, I'm a comics fan. I can write a comic. Yeah, you can write a comic. Is it going to be professional? Is it going to be a professional comic? Maybe, maybe not. Um, You can draw a comic. Is it going to be, you know, a comic that some that a publisher is going to publish? Maybe, maybe not. But I think that the lack of genuine self-reflection and genuine self-assessment is uh, is something that's worrisome. I mean, I know I'm I'm the complete opposite, where I'm so self-deprecating. I think that I can't do a goddamn thing right. Like I know that that's that's not the right way. And you know, the pendulum always swings in these you know great things. Yeah, yeah. In these you know great you know wide arcs. But I think that, you know, a lot of, uh, I think fans need to get real about a lot of things. And I think that pros need to stop taking themselves, you know, stop elevating themselves to, you know, Oscar level kind of thing. Um, and I would love for the gatekeeping to stop, but, you know, whatever. To move on to number four. Uh, I know you're I'm going to answer each question like for like 20 minutes. That's me. Look, I'm, I'm not going to stop you. This is very enjoyable for me. Uh, <laughs> number four, I know you're a fan of cursing. Everyone's a fan of cursing. Oh, God. But 
what is your favorite curse word that's not actually a curse word? It look, I'll tell you why I'm a fan of cursing. Yes. Okay. I barely bite my nails anymore. I don't drink alcohol anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. Um I I am a you know, I've I've been with my husband for almost 20 years. I'm, you know, this monogamous old lady. I don't have any vices except cursing. That's it. That and maybe like when my cat's sleeping, sneaking up on him and like nuzzling, like there's a special part. If you've ever had a cat, there's a special part on a cat. It's like basically their armpit mm-hmm. and you nuzzle them and it has like, it's like the best smell. It smells like socks and like dust. And I don't know what else, but it's like, it's, it just triggers my amygdala and makes me feel happy. I think that is the single most controversial thing you've said this entire time. What? Smelling your cat's armpit? I, <laughs> that, bro. <laughs> I'll smell my cat's armpit right now on camera. <laughs> don't, don't, don't make me pick this sleeping cat up. I smell it. Don't make me, don't make me disconnect my laptop and move it over to smell that fat cat's <laughs> armpit. No, but it's like, so, I mean, that's like the only vice that I have really mm-hmm. is cursing. And because of that, and and much to my, I'm sure my mother-in-law would be thrilled if I just picked up a bottle. It, um, but but that's like the only thing that I have left. Um, I don't really a curse word. You know what I say, Shiza a lot, because okay. I had a I had a friend who whose uh, parents were German, and he he grew up in in some Germany, and he's you know he spoke German and everything, and so he used to always say that. So I will I'll say Shiza, but if I have to pick like a phrase. Like, you know how some people like drop something, they're like, oh shit, I'll say shit sticks and motherfuckers. Like that is like my my exclamation. Shit sticks and motherfuckers. That's just I know you, you're gonna you're gonna write it down. Um <laughs> and and that just for me is like my my giant exclamation. But yes, I know I curse too much. I get it. I know I try really hard. <laughs> my parents are from the Bronx. I was <laughs> gonna say on. you can take the girl out of New York, but you can't, you know, let, let's be honest. You know, I'm not, you know, my I was I was you know chugging off a bottle of black cherry soda. I'm not like from, drinking from you from Boylan's <laughs> 1891. Do you know that Boylan's is 130 years old this year? I did not. Yeah, 1890. It says established eight, since 1891, Boylan Bottling Co. Man, and when it's I, cane sugar. I'm going to have the first comp case sent right to you. because this... <laughs> You want to know why their black cherry is so good? A good black cherry not only tastes like it, it not only has like the right balance of like a sweetness, but also a tartness. Mm-hmm. And and this is I know a lot of people are gonna say this is gross, but a good black cherry has the slightest hint of medicinal flavor. It tastes like just a, a t- tinge like cough syrup. Second most controversial thing you said <laughs> on this call. <laughs> but for whatever reason, but again, it comes back to to a nostalgia thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like if somebody who's never had black cherry soda tasted a boil and they'd be like, oh, it kind of tastes like medicine. But for me, that's like a nostalgia. I'm like, yeah, because 40 years ago, you know, when they were all dumping God knows what into these vats and putting them in bottles and being like, here, kid, drink this. <laughs> you know, the only other, the, I would say a who would give Boylan's a run for their money is a uh, polar cola. 
Oh, the, we have that in Massachusetts. Yeah. You have that in Massachusetts. It's upstate New York, Massachusetts. I went to college in Connecticut, Connecticut area. Polar Cola has a really good orange and they have a really good uh, black cherry. Huh. I'm going to have to look into that next time I go to uh, yeah. the grocery. Yeah, because and they don't sell it here in Jersey, but they've got a really good orange and they've got a really good black cherry. Down here, they'll only sell like their 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 seltzers. Like they'll have like you know, oh, like yeah. seltzer with like a hint of lime or whatever, mm-hmm. a hint of orange, but they don't sell like the full flavored sodas. Oh, my brother used to love their root beer too, Polar Cola root beer. This is homeless Jesus. Yes, this is homeless Jesus. But if you, but my brother, I mean, if if New York Comic Con happens in 2022 which i am hoping um uh he will be there likely so if you come to my table and you see a guy with either a big afro or like a giant beard like my brother wore a handlebar mustache to my wedding i mean like that's delightful you know come on um but if you just see this beast at my table then then you know that that's my brother and we look very very much alike like our noses are a little different, but we have like we have the same coloring. Like we both have, you know, the dark brown say, your, eyes. Your beard does look great tonight. I'm sorry. This I know. Is a, I plucked this is a visual it. Medium. I plucked it. I plucked it. Um, yeah, I'm glad you didn't want me because it's like I got all the, like the mask acne <laughs> and like I got rings under my eyes and fatty woke me up early. <laughs> you know, it's just like I don't want to have to glow up. I'm sorry. So, Erica, I have enjoyed your digression so much that I'm hesitant to say there's one question left and I'm bummed about this. Do you, guess, do you want me to do my, do you want me to do my plugs first before? And then this way, like that last question is oh, like, this is an orthodox. I'm digging the this. Pen- okay. The pen- yeah. Okay. This so I do have to air on January 11th. Okay. It's going to air on January 11th. Great. Okay. So bylines and blood, uh, the first issue will have already been out. Uh, it's a series with aftershock. It is a neo-noir, neon-soaked murder mystery, kind of like Blade Runner, trans-metropolitan kind of thing. Um, it comes out from Aftershock. Uh, Van Jensen co-wrote it for me. Uh, uh, he and I wrote it together. And then Aneke, who is a Spanish artist who's done like Catwoman and a whole ton oh, wow. of tons of stuff. Nikki is phenomenal. And Nikki is doing all the art. She's also doing the coloring as well, which is great. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so the three of us are on that. And uh, we're really excited about this book. Um, Forgotten Home comes out in print, trade paperback in print from Dark Horse. It will be in stores. Uh, I think it's April 5th or April 6th. And is this with um, the Sakevich cover? It's with the Sienkiewicz cover. They did not, they they told me that they wanted the Sienkiewicz cover for the print. So I was like, all right, I'm not gonna go get a new cover. Because it <laughs> yeah, was originally, seriously. it was originally uh, a Comixology original. So it was originally digital only. Yeah. And then Dark Horse is coming out with that, which is great. Uh, we just finished the fulfilling the Kickstarter for the Deadliest Bouquet. Oh yeah. Now with the Kickstarter news, I don't know what's going to happen next because there was another one that I was kind of planning for like March, April. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I've seen. I saw a lot of people tweet back to them and be like, "You need to walk this back." I don't know how how much pull that that's going to be. Either way, I do know a significant people like more than I can count on hands and fingers and toes that are like 
I'm going to have to rethink things. Well, I'm, I'm hoping by the time this airs, Kickstarter will have already done that. So. Yes, because, yeah, I mean, this is almost like a month in advance that yeah. you're doing. I mean, this is this is the ninth. So this is coming out uh, in in January 11th, you said. So, yeah. So this is like a month in advance. So with luck, with luck, you know, they'll they'll walk it back. Um, so so I hope that 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 is that that has changed. There is other things that are coming that I can't talk about, but uh, there's a great series that I edited for Mad Cave Studios uh, called Potions, Inc. Um, Eric Burnham is the writer and Stellaria is the artist nice. uh, doing all the colors as well. It's a fun family adventure. It's 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 not like it's not a kid's book because, you know, most of the characters are, you know, late teens, early 20s. Uh, and there is like some sort of fantasy, I guess you would consider it like fantasy violence, you know, the evil wizard kind of thing. Yeah. But it is a cool, fun family adventure uh, about, you know, this this one uh, big brother who's trying to sort of find himself and his two younger siblings are, you know, they're the comic relief, but they're also trying to sort of help him find out who he really is. Uh, so Potions, Inc. is coming out, which is great. And, and the covers are uh, by Natasha Altarici, who oh, nice. also did the... In the individual covers for Forgotten Home, who did the uh, single issue covers for Forgotten yeah, Home, yeah. and who was nominated for a Ringo Award for it, and we and we got nominated for a Grantee, which is awesome. Uh, Thank you, you. You you are a Grantee medalist, Miss. <laughs> I, I, I'm so I can, re I can resend the JPEG if you need it. Um, I actually might. Please do. <laughs> Please do resend it, because I I already I I made sure that when uh, when Dark Horse uh, sent the proof for Forgotten Home. I was like, we got to put that Ringo nominee, oh, you yeah. know, sticker on that. Yeah. Well, not okay. No, I'm going to delay it again. Uh, where can people find you on the socials? On the socials. So uh, Erica Schultz 42 uh, on Twitter. Uh, Erica Schultz 42 on Instagram, but I've kind of been... Um, neglecting that Instagram, but uh, Erica Schultz writes W-R-I-T-E-S is the other Instagram. Uh, you can find me at ericaschultzwrites.com. Uh, I've got a shop there. Um, we've got, you know, Xena and, you know, we talked about Xena. We've got the Xena trade paperback. We got the Charmed trade paperback. Uh, all the other stuff that I've worked on. Um, uh, Legacy of Mandrake is up there. Um, that was really fun to work on um, with uh, Diego Garibaldi. Um, uh, from uh, Red Five, so that was a cool series. That's like I would consider that kind of a YA series. I never like to, you know, label things, mm -hmm. but I know that makes it sort of easier for people to categorize. Uh, it just makes it easier to find them on a bookshelf. I don't know. I, I honestly, I really enjoyed um, writing the the Legacy of Mandrake. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that maybe they bring me back. I don't know. Uh, I do have to say one thing about the trade paperback in print. There was a zero issue that was a digital only. So the trade paperback, the print edition of the trade paperback collects that zero issue. Oh, nice. So that is, that is your little, uh, your little sort of incentive to get the, uh, to get the trade. And to give you money. No, you don't have to get, give me money. You can go to your, your local comic shop and get it. I mean, it doesn't have to directly go to me. Would you autograph one if someone wanted to give you money if, to do? If anybody, if anybody comes up to me at a show or anybody orders a book for me online, I always ask them, do you want me, I, I will sign it. Do you want me to sign it to somebody? 
Uh, or do you want me to just sign it? You do not want it signed, whatever you want. I, I will put it in the envelope, signed, unsigned, however you want it. What's the return if someone brings you Chicken Magician? I don't think Chicken Magician is even around it. Now I got to look it up. Okay, so Five hours later. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah, now I'm... I feel like I got to text my brother and be like, yo, Chicken Magician's in Hackensack right now. Not, no longer in Teenick, but they don't have Dolly Parton's big breasts. But at least Dolly Parton still does. Yeah. Dolly Parton is a fucking legend. Like, Okay, I'm just, I want to get to Dolly Parton off mic. So, this is you it. Want me, you want me to go sniff my cat's armpit for you? <laughs> Christmas is coming up. That would be great. All right. <laughs> Hi, Simon. All right, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> you get a nice big huff of a cat armpit. It's, it smell. It smells like like feet and dust and and like fresh laundry that's such an awkward dichotomy and a little bit like cheese <laughs> as one does as one does he's now like bitch i'm gonna wake you up at 3 a.m now i'm gonna smell your armpit at 3 a.m now okay. i've got, literally got fur all over my face that's gonna be great for your allergies too <laughs> Oh yeah, it'll be. I'm not allergic. I, I allegedly I'm not allergic to cats. We have two cats, but for all I know, I'm I am now. So Erica Schultz, I have some <laughs> bad news for you. What's what's the bad news? Like an abnormally large albatross was oh, descending God. into the bay, and you weren't paying attention, and your head got lodged in its cloaca, and you died. As one does. Why does it have to be an albatross? Why can't it be like a harpy? Because it's a goddamn albatross from the rescuers down under. Oh my so, god! I thought you were gonna. I thought you did really did your research, and you were like, "Oh, well, you were an English major, and you you focused on poetry, so it was an albatross from the rhyme of the ancient mariner." And we all went Samuel Taylor Coleridge on that motherfucker. <laughs> my English degree is showing. I know. So you're dead. <laughs> Let's say I'm dead, drowned in the cloaca of an albatross. Yep, happens to that happens to at least one out of every seven people. Okay. Uh, let's say there's a heaven. Oh, Jesus. So you go to heaven. Yes. No, he. Well, no, your brother's not there yet. Um, <laughs> Why? He's older than I am. He's he's probably gonna die before me. I don't know. Would you let me finish. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so you're, you're in hypothetical heaven. Uh, a little tiny grumpy old man walks up to you, and it's Jacob Kurtzberg, a.k.a. Jack Kirby. What do you think is the first thing he says to you that's not a swear word? Comics will break your heart. Aww. I can't die, like, suffocating in my cat's armpit. No! Oh, man. I thought you were going to ask me, I thought you were going to say to me, like, like, what did you want God to say at the pearly gates, like, uh, like James Lipton? Oh no, I had to change it so it'd be more, more comics oriented. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he'll just say, like, I I know you learned comics are gonna break your heart. Um, Being in comics is not because you want to be here. Being in comics is because we all have some type of mental illness obsession. Like, I'm the first person to admit, like. I'm I'm a workaholic because I'm because I'm a recovering alcoholic and recovering addict. So I'm not 
doing drugs and drinking alcohol making, anymore. Making I'm I'm writing stories and making comics and working myself to dust and then rising from that dust and then dusting myself again. Like, I mean, nobody who's in comics. I mean, Stephen DeKnight, who talked about it uh, not too long ago, the guy who had uh, direct, who was like a showrunner for one of the Daredevil uh, seasons. Yeah, yeah. I think it was season two. I mean, he said it. He's like, look, comics don't pay you well enough to deal with the bullshit that you deal with. We're all here because we love it. We're here because we love the medium and we're here because we we want to tell these stories in this particular medium the reason why comics will break your heart is because just like acting or anything like that it the propensity for there to be a sort of predator prey uh happens you know there people have talked about it online people have talked about it in articles this idea of you know this publisher took advantage of me, uh, or you know, I signed a, a crappy contract or whatever. And it happens. And you do it because you want so badly mm -hmm. to be part of this community, to be part of this umbrella that that is called comics, that you know, you wind up getting caught up in it and it, and it breaks your heart. And I, you know, and I would tell the students at the Cupid school, when I was teaching at the Cupid school, I would tell them, look, you're going to sign anywhere from five to seven shitty contracts in your lifetime. And you can count on that number, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and even when you think, you know, well enough, oh, I know it's shitty, but I'll deal with it. Even when the red flags are, you know, burning your face, and you sign that contract and then you get fucked and you're like, God damn it. You know, so it happens, it happens. Um, and comics will break your heart because you want it so bad that you will be taken advantage of or comics and or comics will break your heart because you want it so bad, you put your heart and soul into it and it didn't hit because of timing, because of the marketplace, because of, you know, it wasn't, you know, your the story that you told wasn't in the zeitgeist, whatever. And you feel like your story was a failure, even though it wasn't, even though completing it in and of itself is a success. Yeah. And I think that that's what a lot of people need to remember is finishing what you started is a success. Whether or not it, you know, makes it to Comicron's monthly, you know, sales list. That doesn't matter. You finished something. And that's the biggest issue. And one of the biggest problems that I see with when I was uh, teaching writing, whether it was at the Cuber School or on online classes, whatever, is, well, I've got this idea. And there was never any follow through. And you're never going to, if you're looking to get comics, if you're looking to get work from, obviously, everybody wants to get big two work. But if you're looking to get work from comics, editors are not going to come to you for anything if you can't show that you finished something you know finished is better than perfect mm -hmm. you know yeah is it should it be perfect everybody will say it should be the perfection does not exist you will strive for it and that's another reason why comics will break your heart because you will strive for perfect for perfection and it will never exist and pobody's nerfect Oh, so, oh buddies. I hope that that's what Jack Kirby says instead. Pobody's nerfect. 
Nobody's oh, nerfing, kid. No, what he would say for me is nobody's perfect, and goddamn, did you test that? <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> Sniffing cats' armpits. I think with that, we'll wrap this up. And thank you so much for joining me tonight. Tonight, yeah, it's still tonight. It's still tonight, yeah. Thank you for letting me, you know, sniff my cat's armpit on on camera. Hey, anytime. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff. What's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now